Welcome to Tamarindo Podcast, a socially conscious talk show with a Latinx vibe. We are amigos talking politics, food, music, and life. Welcome! Hello, Tamarindo Podcast listeners. This is Brenda Gonzalez, and I'm joined by... Paula Gomez. Paula Gomez. Paula Paula Gomez. Gomez. So Paula is one of several guest hosts that we've had in this past several months with Tamarindo, but we're going to have some very exciting news. Soon you will learn the identity of the next co-host. But stay tuned for that. I have a clue, though. A clue is that we're going to very soon release some Educated Telonera t-shirts. So if you follow us on Instagram, Tamarindo Podcast on Instagram, you probably already saw a sneak preview of our... Educated Pelionera t-shirt. Should we hold one for I've you, I've seen Paula? it. Yes, please. Okay. We're definitely going to hold one for I've you. I've seen it. I want one. I'll, I'll wear it. Yes. And so, and Paula is a fan of the show and she's also a contributor. She designed the Tamarindo podcast website, which is fabulous. It was a pleasure. Yes. And we're going to work with you to enhance it for yes. the new we Tamarindo have to, podcast. We have to rebrand it. Yes. Revamp it. Sorry. Revamp not re- it. Revamp it. Yes. Yes. Give it a little bit of a makeover. Not too a much for the look, just some of the folks involved. So, um, Tell me, Paula. Yes. Hi. We just came back from an amazing girls trip. <laughs> it was so much fun. It was so much fun. I, I had a relaxing time. My goal was to have a nothing but relaxing, not nothing. Don't worry about anything. Nothing that has to do with L.A. was on my mind. It was so it great. It was just being present in the moment with my friends and enjoying the sun, the Love pool, it. and some drinks. So let's tell the listeners, what are the ingredients to a perfect girl's trip? What are <sighs> the things that are necessary? Why was our girl's trip so fabulous? I think it was successful because of the people. The people, you have to start off with your good vibes only group of friends. Yes, good vibes so, only, no exactly. sangronas, no, no caca faces. You have no, to be great, good no, attitude. Nobody who has any conflict with anybody else. You know, you're, you know what you're going to get. You're not going to be surprised by you know, someone inviting 20 people to the house or them disappearing or just some kind of obnoxious behavior that you just are not ready to handle. I think, I think what's the difference between girls' trips in your 30s versus girls' trips in your 20s? Uh, I would say that's madre. one of them. <laughs> <This> madre. <laughs> but also like the, the tolerance for like, you know, you in your 30s, you're just going to be like, these are the people I tolerate yeah. and I'm not going to make any flexibility. No, 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 no. <laughs> you know, we, we, we were told that we were told one of our friends, we, we, we decided who was going to be part of this small get together and it was fabulous. I mean, I know I, I think sometimes when you're younger, you want to include everyone, you know, the bigger the group the better. First of all, to make the trip cheaper. Yeah, that's true. It's true that we so, could afford to each so, get our own bed. Right. Sort of. So, well, sort of. So, you know, let's let's get as many people into the house as possible to make it cheaper for everybody or the hotel room, whatever trip you're planning. And the next thing is like un desmadre. So like who, let's have some guys over or let's you know have the music as loud as possible. That's back and in your 20s. That's back in your 20s or let's go to this club afterward. Anyways, I think when you're 30s, me, I sought relaxation. Like mm-hmm. true R and R laughs, good food, good drinks and doing nothing right we did absolutely nothing what we watched bodyguard whoa oh yes this is a a, a tip so i know there's a lot of girl chick flicks and fun things to do who would have thought that bodyguard is a good it's a good movie for for your girls trip so who would have thought i think i think we maybe forgot well we were how old were we we? we it was maybe 12 (laughs) i just knew it was romantic and kevin costner was hot yeah and and she was the queen of the night and she did she was like didn't waste any time like 
ask me on a date. Ask me on a date. Yes. Yes. And he took a bullet for her. He literally. Who would you take a bullet for? My siblings. Yes. That's nice. My siblings. Any one of them. I think my list is very short. I'm not really quite sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have five. My dog. I have five siblings. I'm sorry. Four siblings. Dang, You have to take quite a few. Quite a few bullets. (laughs) But yeah. Any any one of my siblings for sure. And we went to Palm Springs. Because we're here. We're we're LA girls. So Palm Springs is an easy getaway. And that was great. Yeah. We originally planned to have a bigger thing. You know, maybe Cancun or somewhere in Mexico. But you know, life happens and we have to, you know, make our girls trip accessible, accessible. So we just little road trip down east and picked a house. It was a great house. It fit all of us. Enough space. Got to have a barbecue. We had a barbecue, giant pool, enough pool floaties for each one of the girls. This house came equipped. We, this is what happens when you're 30. You ask, does it have a pump? Because I'm not going to blow up. A unicorn or whatever that does, was, does, or a donut. Does it have an inflator? What's it called? An air pump. Yes, yes. yes. Key questions. Yeah. And so we asked, and so noise levels. Anyway, so this madre in your 20s, relaxation, don't get in trouble with the Airbnb owners in your 30s. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it was, really the big distinction, no? Yes, yes, yes. Let's, let's tell people a little bit more about Paula. About me? Yeah. So Paula, like, what's, what are your interests? What do you like to do? Why are you a fan of Tamarindo? Um, it sounds like a Tinder profile. Yes. What would you put on your, <laughs> I enjoy romantic walks, walks on the beach by myself. <laughs> no, um, I, um, was raised in Orange County. I am the eldest of five siblings. My parents immigrated here in between the sixties and seventies. And I, yeah, first generation, first call, first one to graduate from college in my family. And I moved to LA about seven years ago. Because I wanted to. Because there's nothing to do in Orange <laughs> County. There's nothing to do. I was done with Orange <laughs> County. I needed something else. I needed a different change of scene. And it was through moving to LA that I found really my tribe of friends, um, professional growth, and my group of friends. And that's where I really have found my fulfillment. Um, being here in the past few years, meeting people like you, Yay. and growing our friendship with our mutual friends, you know, Evelyn and Javiera. And, you know, other friends who have just enriched my life in so many more ways than I think I could have imagined had I stayed in Orange County. And even though it's not that big of a drive, it's only about 45 to an hour and a half, depending but on traffic. It's long enough. Far it's enough. It's far enough that it really is, of course, it's a completely different culture, um, different set of um, ideals and ambitions that you, I just, I didn't find in Orange County when I was living there. So Can you tell us about the Mexican thing? The Mexican thing. Yeah. This is your, your Instagram. So after the election, um, during sorry during the campaign, the what the vice presidential debate with Mike oh, Pence. Yes. Oh, um, he mentioned. Uh, I think it was. Are you going to bring uh, up Kane. that Mexican thing? Yeah, Tim Kaine brought up um, immigration reform, I believe, and Mike Pence said, "Oh, that Mexican thing," and immediately within like. Uh, two minutes I already had an Instagram account called that Mexican thing because I thought like this is going to take off and I want to own this and mm-hmm. I want to do something like with it. Uh, taco trucks in every corner. Taco trucks in every corner. Bad hombres. Bad hombres. Nasty woman. Uh, reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time. That's the best one. And that's one's great because that one's from one of ours. Yes. Yes. It's one of ours. <laughs> 
And so I wanted to reclaim it. I wanted to claim it as my own, as our own for the community. And I really kind of sat on it for a bit. But essentially what I wanted to do, how it started, was me... That Mexican thing is not this image of rapists, drug dealers, the worst that Mexico has to offer, but instead they are astronauts and artists and scientists and contributors to society in ways that maybe aren't as widely publicized as, you know, the GOP would like for you to, to, to know. I love believe. it. That's why we love it. So everybody should check to follow that Mexican thing. And I want to remind, because I actually, it's not fun. a reminder, it's my first mention to the listeners, that this is a mini Minnesota episode. These are the episodes that we record when we're not in the studio. So if you heard a little bit of sirens, <laughs> it's because we're in downtown LA. That downtown life. <laughs> that downtown life. Um, what else can I let people know about Miss Paula Gomez? So I know oh. that your, your, your Twitter account says... Politics. A politics, pop culture, and the occasional meme. Yes, yes. <laughs> politics. Politics. Yeah, I, um, I enjoy, <laughs> I, yeah, my, my Twitter handle, I mean, my Twitter mentions went from, in 2016, it was all about, you know, some pop culture thing, who wore what to what Academy Awards, and who was caught with their pants down, and who, whatever the case, some, anything that was frivolous. And as like you, everything that we talk about, the majority of the content of our, of our conversations is, what did Trump do to now? now? Yes. What did the Trump administration do now? What did one of his cabinet members say? Or what did they cut? What, you know, whatever the case. And so... Um, more about me. Yes, I'm. I, I am really. I'm a politics. It's it's a hobby of mine. Following politics as yours. It is. Yeah, it is. we always talk about. I like all to this be. Stuff. I like to be. You know, up to date. You know, wake up every morning. Are we in the nuclear war yet? It's. Do we? Still? Yes. In fact, we teamed up together to to support a, a local Latina candidate yes. this summer. Yes, Wendy Carrillo. She, and she's still at it. She's probably going to get elected. She's absolutely this. going to get. Yes. Um, she's actually going to get and and win eighty fifty one yes. here in Los Angeles and. And I go to the, the state assembly. Woohoo! The state assembly send another Latina out there to represent us in the best possible way. What do you think about Latina representation? Why? Why? Why did we love hanging out with a bunch of our Latina friends? What is? <sighs> what kind of energy do we get? From Identity, this? conocimiento. You know, I the Spanglish, I, the, the Spanglish. The you know, I was I was with some coworkers yesterday. One is Italian, and the other one's Armenian. And I had these dichos coming out of my mouth during our and conversation. Like, I don't know. I don't even go here. <laughs> and I like literally don't even go here. <laughs> I don't know her. And so I was. Um, it's just like the conocimiento, and I've I've always had. To be completely honest, the majority of my friends have always been um, bicultural as myself, bicultural and as far as like being Latina, whether they be, you know, Salvadorian and an American or Mexican-American. Um, and so that's identify. And, you know, from the strict parents to not talking about some topics in your household being taboo mm-hmm. um, to relationships with um within ourselves and I identifying like I don't see myself portrayed in media. Yeah. Um, so I choose to see, I choose to, ident- you know, convivir with people who identify with um, since I don't, you know, and it, it's just um, a comfort level, um, a security. It's a security too. And it's like, my own safe space. Very cool. Well, I'm really excited about our next guest. I am too. We're going to really interview. Excited to meet her. I mean, she's done amazing work 
in the Latino community, Latino in the media community yes. for Latinos. It's very relevant to what we just talked about. So yes. there's some power in seeing Latinas represented. Yes. There's some power in uh, this something that transcends different cultures, but you're yes. still not different cultures, I would say different countries. Yeah. But there's a lot of familiarity with some of the concepts. Absolutely, and absolutely. I mean I I don't I um you know I'm I'm really loving and appreciating how inclusivity has p- become part of our vernacular um in society, um mainstream society in the past maybe I would say it's heightened in the past year. Inclusivity has been major for huge corporate brands are now paying attention to be inclusive, inclusive of people with disabilities, of inclusive of people of, you know, people of color, um, people with undocumented status or whatever their documented status is. And I think I'm really loving also the, you know, the body positive movement um, and including, including women of all shapes and colors into the marketing campaigns mm-hmm. and skills I think, and, and education skills levels and, and all kinds of things. And, and having, and people really having a voice, you know, I, I am so a hundred percent behind that and just seeing now I'm seeing more women who look like me in media. When I was younger, I did not identify with very, I didn't see myself. Are there any characters in particular or shows in particular that, that you'd say are doing this well? And, and before I, before you answer that, I do want to tell people, we're going to interview someone named Marta Flores, who is starting a, an amazing Latina focused media company. We'll tell you all about her when we introduce her, but back to the question to you, any shows doing this well or myself? characters? Um, I actually don't follow a lot of, um, TV, um, I mean, the last thing I saw was like Handmaid's Tale, which was ah, amazing, amazing, which was inclusive of, you know, different characters. Um, but I really follow more so brands, Whoopsie. Um, more, so, <laughs> more so brands um, that, that, that really a- attracts me more um, to see people, all different t- types of women represented um, as the face of a brand. Like which so one? Glossier recently came oh. out with their new um, Body Hero campaign. Oh, yes. I've seen those ads yes, everywhere. The Body Hero campaign. And it's women. Um, there was this one particular model that I've been following um, her career for the past few years. And she is a, a beautiful, beautiful. Her name is Palomija. I, I think I'm pronouncing it correctly. I hope so. Um, but you can tag her in your post. But she's I will. she's fantastic, and she's gone a lot of um, more uh, booked gigs, and she's now the face, one of the faces of Glossier's um, Body Hero campaign. And in this campaign, are women in the nude um, showcase existing, basically just existing in all shapes and in sizes. all shapes and sizes. And she has this beautiful brown skin. Um, she is of you know she's. I don't know how she self-identifies, but you know what you would typically would say plus size. And I saw myself, there's a brown woman who has amazing, beautiful curves. And I thought, wow, here is an American brand who is showcasing a woman existing in all her glory. And she kind of looks like me or I somehow, I don't identify, I don't identify with Cindy Crawford. I identify with this beautiful brown woman. That's great. You are a beautiful brown woman. (laughs) You should identify with a beautiful brown brown woman. Um, so anyway, so that, I would say like that can, that campaign really struck a chord with me. I wrote about it on the Mexican thing where I was just yes, so, very I, great it really post. it really was because growing up in a household where um, my weight was always a, t- a subject of conversation. 
um, even up until two weeks ago, I, an aunt of mine asked me, so how much weight do you have to lose, t- medically speaking, how oh much my weight God. Oh do you my God. have my to lose? Oh my God, my eyes are rolling so far back in my head for that to question. To be within, medically speaking. Medically speaking. Oh my goodness. How much weight I had to lose. And I she just needs sort of, a chancla. I just sort of ignored it. But she's my favorite aunt, <laughs> and it sucks, because oh in every God. other aspect, she's pretty woke, aware, knowledgeable about what's the structural systems in our society. I can't believe she said but that. But when it comes to like, Peso weight looks, it's prevalent in Mexico. For, for me, my experience, prevalent in my family's conversations is like, aumento de peso, adelgazó. Let's applaud her when she lost weight. Let's talk about her when she's gained mm-hmm. weight. And it's like, I, I called her out. I think she was leaving. She was going back to Mexico. And I said, what is up? Can, can you explain to me why it's so important to speak about that? Because I can't imagine myself talking to a stranger about their weight. So I don't understand why you think it's okay to talk about my weight. Well, what did she say? And she said, I know, mija, es que te ves mejor. And, and I was like, I didn't want to make her feel bad. I just wanted to let her know. Yeah, this is how I that's felt. good. No and one's so probably, okay. no one's ever said and that to her. And she hasn't said anything about my weight since then. <laughs> yeah, but she better not. Okay, well, I know there's so so much that we can talk about. Uh, but we are about to have Marta Flores come in and Great. we're going to talk to her awesome. all about it, all about her, her project. It's called Brava. It's a... Latina Center Media hey. Company. We will learn all about it. You we will we'll find out. Well, I don't know if she wants to share that oh. necessarily. All I can say is that I might have given some some uh, friendly tips on the name. And Brava is a cool name. It's a beautiful name. It's a wonderful <laughs> name. But before we transition to that, I want to share with you that this episode is brought to you by BarkBox. So BarkBox, this is amazing. This is like a monthly service where you can get a box of treats and toys for your dog. So every month, BarkBox paw picks they don't hand pick it they pop it the best all natural treats and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs including allergies and heavy chewer preferences they have new and unique toys to keep dogs engaged interested and happy frida my dog frida she loves her bark box she still is in love with her little dinosaur that she got with the with the box and she got all kinds of dino treats like all dinosaur themed her little jurassic bark treats she loves it. So there's free shipping on any bark box within the continental United States. And when your dog falls in love with something from the box, <laughs> you can easily find it again on BarkShop.com. BarkBox app or by texting BarkBox. It's amazing. So Bark, Frida the dog, who's adorable, who if you follow us on Instagram, you might have met her. She loves BarkBox. We've also gifted BarkBox to friends that have like, you can get like, you can say what size dog it is. And we got a whole box specific for another fabulous for another dog. It was amazing. So all of you, I want to tell you that you can actually order BarkBox and you can get a free extra month of BarkBox for free. If you go to uh, visit BarkBox.com forward slash tamarindo so barkbox.com forward slash tamarindo and when you subscribe for a six or 12 month plan you can get the a free extra month of barkbox so it's amazing you got to make sure you you go to that so one more time to tell you the call to action you go to barkbox.com forward slash tamarindo all right so let's uh let's take it away for our our next guest that's coming up yes All right.
right, so Marta E. Flores is here on Tamarindo. Thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you. Let's uh, tell people who you are. You are an awesome storyteller. You were Me Too's chief editorial content officer when, when Me Too was taken off and you help it, help it grow tremendously. And you offer unapologetic Latino content strategy that is both culturally specific and has mainstream appeal. So you're doing lots of cool stuff. But now what are you doing? Now I'm about to launch Brava, which is a digital media company that's focusing on Latinas because Latinas are badass and there comes a time when you have to think about what's out there. And let me start with the, with the challenge or what the opportunity is. So when media and brands think of Latinas, they think of them in two different ways. The first way is Spanish language, stereotypical. You give us um, our boobs hiked up and a sombrero um, and TV, Telemundo, Univision. The second way they think of us is they don't think of us at all. We're mainstream. We, you know, if we watch Game of Thrones, whatever commercial you're going to put on, you're going to capture us. And there's no need to be extra with Latinas because we got it covered. We either talk to you in Spanish or we just lump you in with everyone else. You know what that leaves out? Engagement, loyalty, cultural pride, brand understanding. You're, and Latinas know it. It's like, where, where's my space? And there's a lot of great companies doing it now, but I want Brava to be the next big company to be about Latinas from East LA to the East Coast to talk about beauty culture, identity, race, politics, and do it in a way that, I, that has drive-by deepness. It's a term that I introduced when I was at Me Too, and everybody's like, explain that to, to me, Martha. And it really means that it, it first comes off as light. It's not heavy. It's not going to weigh you down. But then when you walk away from it, you still keep thinking about it. And some of the stuff that we did at Me Too, the video that I did in the spring for the Women's March, uh, resistance training with two Latinas who had no political activism background. They didn't vote. Um, and I had worked with them before. They were part of the Cholas series. And I asked them to um, let us interview them before the march and let us follow them and then interview them after. And I wanted to show two young Latinas who we're trying to find their place in, in, you know, in politics. Their journey. Their journey, exactly. Their journey to awaken to their the political awareness. Right, because there wasn't any. And for me, it's important that we not only, rep, you know, that we not only see a representation of ourselves in media, but then the next step is social and political activism. What do we do with that? I, I think a lot of times, you know, it's said that, oh, Latinos, you know, don't, get their voice together or they don't, you know, let their voice be known. It's like, well, maybe we need to see ourselves first in all facets and then realize, hey, my voice matters. And that's what I'm trying to do with Brava. I, I want to um, tell the listeners about this particular video in particular because, um, particular in particular, <laughs> because I, 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 I did see that and I remember having a lot of icky feelings and at the end feeling good, but at the, uh, uh, the journey that yes. I watched. So let I me mean, walk folks through the video. So I'm sure in every other city, there was a tremendous showing of women going to the women's March. So Los Angeles was no different. In fact, I believe even Los Angeles might've even been bigger than DC. And in this video, you're, you're showing 
the the Latina that may not necessarily be the Tamarindo podcast listener because we think uh, or I have noticed that a lot of our listeners might be a lot like like Paula and I, college educated and involved in interested in politics and that, that tends to be the the profile of the top the typical listener. Well, in this video, you see people that we have in our families, which is folks that. Um, that grew up in the States, but they, they maybe didn't go to college or they're, they grew up in the Cholo scene or they're into different things where they're not, they don't, they're not instinctively political and they don't know the, the latest woke and respectful language. So in this video, you have these two Cholas. Yeah. For, you know, this is what they, they look like, like, like what you all might imagine a Chola might look like. And it's their interactions at the women's march and they see, they see folks holding signs that say Black Lives Matter. And if you have zero um, awareness, you're not connected to the issue, their reaction is like many, many people might react if they're totally not political, which is like, wait a minute, why do Black Lives Matter more than, my, than any other lives? So you see them having that reaction. Of course, me, I find that like, oh my God, this is horrible. No, but I also, can, I also have heard Latinos that are not in the same spaces that I'm at have those same initial reactions. Right. But then you see them get it. Like they under, after they talk, they talk to a couple of people and they understand that it's not what, why all lives matter is actually offensive. And they get, they understand the concept that no, black lives matter should matter also. <laughs> is, and they, and you see them come to that realization. So that video was very powerful because of that. Because first you're like, Oh, what's going to happen here? Then you're like, oh, no, 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 I don't want them to react that way. No, no, no. And then you see them come to it. And so it's, it's a great journey. And I think, although uh, the, the, um, the large majority profile of the Latino, the podcast, the somebody in the podcast listener might be more like me, I do hope that there's some folks that think that some of the stuff is funny and they're, they, that's the initial entryway. And then in that, we can educate them in, on other issues. And I, it sounds like this whole, Cholos try and that sort of appeal is the journey that you're hoping to get. Like, it's funny, but oh, wait, I've left you with something to learn. Exactly. And I mean, that was sort of part of my success at Me Too is where we didn't put the Cholos in an expected position where they were in a lowrider in East L.A. whistling at women. They were actually giving social commentary. They were put in a position of authority. Um, And I wanted to do something different and unexpected. um, And it worked. Because people saw themselves represented, you know, whether you're a cholo or you, your cousin's a cholo or whatever. But it's like, wait a minute, he's funny. He's not the butt of the joke. It struck a chord with a right. large audience because it put it, like you said, it gave them a voice outside from what you would expect them to only speak on or have an opinion about. Right. Um, whether it be a type of food or, you know, outside something outside of their culture. And I remember it was shared widely. And I knew it grew, it grew the 30 audience. 30 million views. I mean, that's incredible. <laughs> I mean, that strikes a chord with people, people outside of la- the Latino community. Um, because, I mean, I know look, growing up in Southern California, um, you know, we, we I were aware of all types of Latinos of all walks of life. And to see that political journey of these two women um, get a peek inside of someone else's shoes and their like we said, you know, through their eyes and, you know, being awakened, like you said, to, to um, things that come just a matter of fact to us. Yeah, and one of the things that I, that I keep, I find myself saying over and over again, and I think I'm, I'm becoming kind of a broken record, but I do believe if we only preach to the woke choir, we are going to lose rights. We are going to make a change. 2020 is going to come. Yes, and there's going to be an echo chamber. And there has to be room for all of us. 
you know, um, it can't be that old crab in a pot, you know, analogy. Like, we all have to help each other find our place. You know, we're all lucky that we went to college, that we had supportive parents, or, you know, we, we did what we did to get where we are. I, I'm a kid from West Texas, you know, um, in West Texas, in the small little town. Love them all. I still have friends there. But it most definitely was kind of a, Latinos were supposed to be here, and white whatever we're supposed to be here and, and you're singing you just because it's a podcast <laughs> your hands are going oh. low and then they're going high <laughs> okay so yes um you know i went to college in san antonio i ended up in newspapers i ended up at us weekly i did at scale content at demand media then that brought me to to me too um so it was pro- it's an unlikely journey for me, and I try to think about that when I'm thinking about what kind of content, what kind of storytelling I want to do. Because I think there's a lot of Martha E. Floreses who sometimes pronounce their names Martha Flores and sometimes pronounce their names Martha E. Flores um, out there who are just looking for an opening, for someone to just say, hey, come with me. You know, and Irene and Rachel, the two women that did the video with me for the Women's March, you could tell they're first timid, and people weren't looking at them. When early on, people were asking me, hey, what are y'all doing? Like, they were invisible. As you were filming this? Yes, as we were filming this. And going back to your, sort of your reaction to watching this unfold, same reaction I had. Because, you know, I did a bit of pre-production with them and asked a few questions, and I knew that they did not know that Latinas made less than white women, than black women, than males, they, in, the it's coming up. Wage gap is right. Real. The, you know, November first will be, you know, we'll be circling back to Latinas, and that just blew their mind. Well, if people don't know that, how are they going to change it? And that's the biggest thing for me. I mean, and because the content that we did at Me Too, and I, I give a great deal of props to Beatrice and everyone there, and the team that I put together. I mean, it was an incredible opportunity for me. I. And now I think I, you know, I have an opportunity to build something else that's different. It has more of a social justice edge. So, so speaking on that, what can we expect from, from Brava? What type of content? It will what, be, di- what direction do you want to take your, um, to fit your vision for sure. this company? Uh, it will be, uh, because video is king, right. uh, it will be video heavy. Um, but the one thing that I do want to do from the start, is, and I mentioned it earlier, is this should be for Latinas from East L.A. to the East Coast. The representation and the diversity should be seen from the beginning where, you know, Puerto Ricans, Cubans, Mexican-Americans have a, find a place. And it might not be all the content, but there's that connectivity that, that runs through it. And people can say, women, Latinas can say, this is for me. And... You know, we want to touch on beauty culture. Fenty, uh, the the Forty Shades. Fantastic work by Robin <laughs> Fenty, I have to say. I mean, it's she, awesome. She, she, I mean, she tapped into a market that hadn't really been fully discovered or tapped into. And the next day, you had Kylie Jenner coming out with 30 New Shades. Why? Because she was she saw what, what Fenty Beauty was doing. And, exactly. And then you see, I think L'Oreal came out with a more inclusive marketing campaign soon thereafter. And so I think it really takes one person um, to really just get the ball rolling. And I mean, it all comes down to money as well, right. an untapped market. And Latinas, I know, are an untapped market that haven't been spoken to before. And you said beauty, 
beauty, I think, is one of the most, um, I think, leading industries where women can really identify um, with inclusivity, all shades, all, right. all sizes, um, all economic backgrounds. So Yeah, beauty culture is big, and it will be big for Brava. Here's, here's, let me put it this way. Like, if we did a story on, on quinceañeras, we wouldn't just do an introductory story because our, our audience would know what a quinceañera is, but we would look at it from a beauty culture perspective perspective how do latinas navigate you know beauty and um what they find beautiful and how they see themselves and how do they navigate that within a bigger mainstream culture and what does what do quinceañeras do for their um self-confidence um and dig deeper a, you know, it's not a bunch of bobbleheads just putting on dresses. I hope it's not. It, there's a rich tradition, but let's look at it from the from the bigger picture of American mainstream beauty and how that it plays a role. Absolutely, it's actually a revolution in itself because it actually goes against not it goes against, but it's a very it's a, it's a marker of self identity. Um, you know, to have this beautiful dress, and I've seen some amazing dresses of women who really are young women who really own the design and personalize their dresses and go beyond the boundaries of what, you know, was expected. And I think it's, it's sort of like a radical um, a challenge towards, you know, West, the westernized culture of what to expect, you know, with Sweet 16, a quinceañera with the mariachi and the big, you know, loud, the big loud banda and the dresses. It's like, it's like I'm owning my culture and I'm living it loudly and proudly unapologetically. Yeah. And we need to own it because we're not the bigger. There's two bigger goals with Brava. First, build an audience, cater to an unrepresented market or underrepresented market. But the second thing is create content that, that, with an audience that you can de- then develop into bigger into bigger shows, TV, movies, with themes and patterns and characters that you see resonate. So it's a cycle, and it's a, it's a business model that I brought from Demand Media, and it, I learned it there. It's like, okay, 20% of the stuff that you create is actually going to make 80% of your revenue. And you start looking at that 20%, and how do you evolve it? How do you keep making more money off that 20%? And it's the same way to look at content. It's like you look at what performs, and, and not to dwell too much on me, too, but again, it's sort of kind of my calling card. And um, big props to them for giving me the opportunity. I, Beatrice and I just had lunch a couple of weeks ago, and I was telling her all about this, and she's super excited. And I'm really happy that, you know, Beatrice is, is supporting me. And Let's tell folks who Beatrice is, because I don't she's, she's a household name to us. But maybe <laughs> oh, that's not, true. <laughs> maybe that's the podcast uh, <laughs> listeners, but a brava Latina. Yes. Beatriz Acevedo Franco, uh, I'm sorry, Beatriz Acevedo Griff is the founder of Me Too. And she's had a production company with her husband before. And she had the vision. She saw it like, you know, five years ago. We're just like, you know, Latinos are underrepresented. Let's do something about it. So when Google was sending out, um, uh, was asking people to create networks with YouTubers, and, you know, there was beauty and fashion, that was Style Hall, the gaming, uh, Machinima. Uh, Beatrice and her husband and another partner created Me Too. And it was corralling all the Latino YouTubers and giving them a voice and giving them leveraging power so they could earn more money. And from that, you know, the Me Too brand grew 
and I came on a couple years later and created their brand voice. Their, you know, at that point, I came on to make me through the biggest influencer in the room. Now I'm hoping that room has is big enough for me through and Brava, and I know it is. So. That's right. Well, um, we're getting close to, to wrapping up, so I want to pitch you something. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, was, I was watching The Sweetest Thing, which is a very underrated chick flick. Oh, yeah. I was watching it, and it's so hilarious, and, it's, and I realized at the end, of course, because it was written by a woman, that's why it's so freaking good. And, and of course, we saw how much success Girls Trip just had. There needs to be the Latina version of this. Absolutely. So let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. Yes. Sorely lacking Latina representation in film. I, for me, that's just one of. For, I know we were talking about brands earlier and how brands are really coming to the forefront. I don't really watch a lot of TV per se, but that's you know here, here, here or there. But I think brands are really at the forefront. Beauty brands, clothing brands are at the forefront of inclusivity in um, including Latinas, other women of color. Um, and I, for film, for me, I love movies, and I just don't see myself. I don't see myself on the big screen uh, I, as an astronaut, as a, in a rom-com. And doing raunchy shit like they did in, in the sweetest thing. on a girl's trip. <laughs> yeah, we, we just came back from a girl's trip to Palms from Palm Springs. You all could have filmed that. <laughs> that could have been I a, will next time. <laughs> that could have been a reality TV show. That could have been the premise of a movie. And it's, I, I would watch that. I want to see myself. I want to see my sisters. I want to see my friends represented, um, you know, from all different kinds of backgrounds and points of views. And it's, we're not, it's a, being Latina, like you said, it's not, it's not monolithic. We are diverse within our own diversities. Exactly. And I think that for me, whatever you can do to bring us, women like us, Latinos to the forefront is much, it's to be applauded, of course. Well, let me close with, I don't want to let a good crisis go to waste. And there is no underrepresent there is no representation or significant representation in movies and TV. You know, I saw the Oscars, you see the Emmys, and it's like where are the Latinos. And God love our black brothers and sisters in the industry because they rally and they get together. We need that. Where are we? Yeah, and Brava, like I said, we're not we're starting small. We're starting with social shareable content on Facebook, on Instagram, on Snap, but it's going to grow. Yeah. And I want to see a Brava film and I want to, you know, an Emmy nomination in a few years because that's, that's what we need. That's what we deserve. Yeah. We shouldn't settle for less. All right. Well, we're out of time. So how can folks get connected to Brava? Um, I'm right now working through pitching to investors, um, but we should launch in 2018, early 2018. We're already assigning things out. We'll have, um, Maybe I'll come back and give you a full preview of the uh, of the new site and all the feeds. Very cool. All right, we always end up our, our interviews by asking all of our guests the same questions, and we're going to invite Paula to answer them too. <laughs> Paula is our, our guest, our guest co-host. So, Marta, Marta y Flores, <laughs> what would be your telenovela name if you it was a telenovela about you, or maybe it could be your character. Dolores. Dolores. Yes, that's a great name. It, it, it's a little pain. It, you like it. You, you inflict it. I think Dolores. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. I like that. How about you, Paula? What would be your telenovela name? Oh, God, you put me on the spot. You know, I don't have one, but I really don't know if I would Rosa Salvaje. Oh, yes. I just, I mean, she's a classic for me. I mean, I, I, I see myself as a Rosa Salvaje character. I love it. I'm going to pitch you another idea, Martha. Okay. You know, I, I don't know if you remember a few, a few years ago, there was a, 
three characters. Everybody took uh, on Instagram and on Facebook. They picked three ca- move three characters. And that's who they are. I think there should be three telenovela characters. There you go. Yeah. So let's yeah. start it now. That money, the podcast <laughs> listeners. Okay. The next question is, what is your favorite snack? <sighs> and this is because Latinos have the best snack. We have the best snacks. Uh, you know what? I love a good sliced up mango with um, chili and a little lime. Yes. I can eat that all day long. Of course. It's amazing. All right. How about you, Paula? Um, I liked, you know, I'm just going to say, I'm just kind of, kind of bougie. Call me out. What I don't care. I love a good Gruyere with some prosciutto <laughs> oh and some, uh, bougie. I'm bougie as F. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but there's room for you and us. For me. Yeah, for I am, Mongo I am, and Gruyere. I am, it's creating, okay. <laughs> I am creating my own space. <laughs> so that's what's, that's my go-to snack. I love a good cheese. All right. And then lastly, if you had a chancla, and you could throw it at a person, place, thing, concept, industry. Who gets your chancla? Latinos who don't help other Latinos find a, 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 a place in this world, whether it's yes. political activism, social justice, education. Just if you're at a party and you see someone who looks a little withdrawn and not knowing where they should go, help say hello. Yeah. Say hola. I don't like be that. afraid to talk a little Spanglish. Yes, I'm going to... I'm going to agree with that, Chancla, and I'm going to say specifically Latinas. Help other Latinas out. <laughs> okay, how about you, Paula? Um, how many Chanclas do you have? <laughs> I have a laundry list. Um, I would agree with you, echo that. Um, today's Chancla, I would have to go to ICE, who is detaining that 10-year-old girl in Houston with cerebral palsy. And I fresh out of surgery, fresh out of surgery waiting for her out, outside of the recovery room and took her to a detention center instead of returning her back to her parents or her close relatives who are documented. So biggest chanclazo of them all to ICE for that. Well, let's, let's hopefully, by the time this airs, there's some resolve for that. This is today's October 26th. We're recording this and is it the 26th? I don't even know what day. <laughs> I think it's it is the 26th. 26. Yay! You're... You lost two days, Paula. You lost two days. Well, thank you so much, Martha, for coming on Tamarindo. Uh, how can people keep up with you? Where can people find you? You can find me on uh, on Twitter, uh, Martha. Well, it's Emmy Flores nine one five. Okay. Um, and you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. I'm all Everywhere. over. Instagram. All right. Instagram is Martha underscore e underscore. Flores. Very cool. We'll put that all in our show notes. By the way, listeners, uh, Frida, my dog, is drinking Martha's water. I will have to get you a new water, Martha. I'm sorry about that. And Paula, how can people keep up with you? Uh, you can follow me at, on Instagram. Uh, my personal account is Loverly Paula, inspired by my fair lady. And that Mexican thing, at that Mexican thing on Instagram. It's just a social media account that I created in response to um, Trump administration. All right. Well, thank you so much. And everybody that's listening, don't forget to rate and review. And I have to flag a couple things. November 11th, Tropicalia Festival is super exciting. It's coming out. We've been talking about it on the show. Go, It's in Long Beach. And you can go to tropicaliafest.com to get tickets. And I want to make sure I remind you to go to Podcasterio Fest, which is the Latinx podcast digital media experience happening at the Plaza de Cultura y Artes and you can follow everything about that at Podcasterio Fest at, in, um, at Instagram. All right. Thank you everybody for listening. Don't forget, ponte un suéter.
Cuando mi arrendador dijo que el alquiler podría ser más barato si fuéramos amigos con beneficios. Había oído hablar de acoso sexual en el lugar de trabajo, pero en mi casa eso es discriminación en la vivienda basada en el sexo. La gente de bienes raíces dijo que estaríamos más cómodos viviendo en un vecindario diferente con gente como nosotros. Por suerte conocíamos nuestros derechos. Es ilegal asustar a los posibles propietarios para que se alejen de ciertos vecindarios en función de raza o nacionalidad. Si usted cree que sufrió discriminación o tiene preguntas sobre sus derechos, comuníquese con Fair Housing Foundation, Fundación de Vivienda Justa, al 800-446-3247 o también en línea en fhfca.org. La vivienda justa es su derecho. Este es un anuncio de servicio público de Fair Housing Foundation y respaldado por el Departamento de Vivienda y Desarrollo Urbano HUD bajo la subvención de FIPPI, FPEI 220099.